we are meant to be in community. And I feel like I'm getting chills just talking about it. Like connecting is that to me is an awakening. That's when you're living life. That was Kelly Higdon. She's a psychotherapist, a business coach, and active roller derby competitor. She helps therapists grow their business and experience authentic joy in their vocation through her company, Zenny Me, her personal coaching, and workshops at super cool events like Joe Sanic's Slowdown School. Kelly is bubbling with life, and she was very, very enjoyable to talk to. Uh, we're certainly aligned philosophically. Uh, and in this very candid interview, we discuss everything from culture and consciousness and conscious parenting, minimalism, and fostering creativity. And of course, we also talk about how she's experiencing Zen in a very unlikely arena of the roller derby. This is a space for authentic conversations around indigenous wisdom, politics, and consciousness as we forge a path towards a more peaceful and harmonious world. I'm Jared Angaza, and this is EDP Radio. Let's talk a little bit about who you are, family-wise and mm-hmm. outside of the, your professions and your your many roles as therapist and coach and so on and so on. Tell me about your family a little bit. Yeah, I've been married to my husband for 12 years um, and we have a beautiful child. Her name's Claire. She's in kindergarten. Um, and yeah, they're my whole world. Uh, we have a lot of fun. We love traveling together and exploring. And aside from my family life, my big community is in roller derby. I play in a rec league called Hidden City Derby Girls. I'm known as Jelly Slam Witch. Um, that's been something I've been doing for a little over a year now. And it's like one of my big ways of having fun and community, giving back to the community and yeah, it's just my little thing that I do. That's excellent, by the way. <laughs> I, had no, I had no idea. What? How? How did you get into it? Like, I, I would um, assume. Like, I, I'm also impressed that there is that happening in your town. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. What? What? What it's city do you everywhere. live in, by the way? I live in Oceanside, which is in Oceanside. like northern San Diego County of California. Yes. Um, how did I get into it before? Before having. Uh, mommyhood and all of that. I just was always interested in the sport and me and a friend went to a bout once and I was just like, this is the coolest thing. Like how, I don't know. It was, it's got its own culture. It's on lingo. Um, it's a very empowering sport because like, if you look at our team, we range from high school seniors who are 18 years old to like women and, uh, that are in their 60s and we all play together uh, we have cisgender transgender players we have I mean the diversity is I would never meet these people otherwise I would never be exposed to the variance of culture and experience and beliefs 
like I am with these people that I play with. So for a long time, I wanted to do it. The team that was in my area was really far away and it just didn't make sense. Then I had a kid and then we moved. And when we moved, I worked from home and I was like, I need to find friends. I need to find people that I can spend time with. And one of the things like I really like to coach on is when you make decisions for yourself, you want it to benefit in multiple ways, right? So I'm like, I could do something that I get exercise, but I'm also making friends. And so I tried roller derby and I still am terrified every time I go play, um, even practice, (laughs) but, uh, it's been one of the greatest things I've ever done for myself, I think. That's excellent. I mean, I can certainly understand the, you know, the cultural aspects and I love culture, you know, and talking, we talk a lot about culture on the show, obviously, but right. just the people think of when you say culture, like, oh, it's a, they think of a geographic location that's different than their own or something. And I'm like, well, there's probably about 5,000 different cultures within about 50 miles of you. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, like from the way we dress to the way we talk to the um, way we treat each other, it is, it's its own little world. And, you know, if I'm somewhere and someone said they play derby, we'll, there's just like, oh, we're connected. You know, we just already have that in common and we know some things already there. So, um, yeah, the other day, some guy called me, he heard me on another podcast, turned out he was a therapist and he heard me mention, uh, that I play derby. Turns out he plays a few county. He plays in LA and we know some of the same people. <laughs> We're just chatting. I mean, it, it was just, it's, it's a funny way to connect, but, um, yeah, it means you have family wherever you move to. If there's a team, you have a place. I love that. I, I, my sister and her family, she has three little girls, uh, for ages, uh, I think six on up to like 10 or so. I'm terrible with ages, but anyway, you know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, little girls and they're traveling three girls, husband and wife in a RV all around. Actually they're in San Diego. They were just in San Diego a minute ago, oh, sweet. uh, last week. And they were, it's kind of the first for them. And, and I was talking to them about that. And my wife and I've lived all over the world and, and many different cultures and so on. And, you know, you move into a country like Rwanda or Kenya or whatever, where we've lived, and there's the expat community, you know, people that live there, not from there. Sure. And so what we, now there's a segment of the expat community we, we've never really aligned with that kind of keep to themselves. They don't really connect with the culture right. there. But then you have this group like us that says, I'm here because I want to be immersed in this other culture of this other country and live more raw lifestyle, more connected, more communal and so on and so on. Anyway, the interesting thing is that in these two stories, my wife and I traveling around and my sister are now traveling around the States and they're staying at all these campsites. They're yeah. like, everyone we meet is this, you know, they have this same perspective like I do. And I'm like, yes, that's the beauty of being involved with something, whether it's roller derby or, yeah. you know, camping around America or travel, you know, being expat in the city across the planet. And you connect with people that are like-minded, that are there for similar reasons. They're, they mm-hmm. they see the world similar, similarly to you, and they mm-hmm. uh, have some of the same priorities and values and things like that. And I love that. And I think uh, so often we, as a society, don't really tap into that. Like, we're just kind of, like, glancing over it. Like, oh, well, these are my people. And, like, well, they're your people, too, partly because they see the world the way that you do. It's a perspective thing. Yeah. And what I like about Derby is the diversity of that. I was talking to this 
friend of mine. She's like in her early twenties. I love her to death. We have totally different backgrounds, totally different beliefs, but I support her and, and a shoulder for her to lean on. And I don't, you know, we would never ever have connected otherwise. How else would I have met her? Like our social circles, our lifestyles are so divergent, but yet Derby brings us together and we find a way to connect within that space, even though we are so different. And um, it helps you see um, the beauty in other people that aren't like you and also how to get along with people who aren't like you that maybe you would otherwise not want to get along with. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, what you're talking about and describing there, uh, kind of I, the word empathy keeps popping in my mind because it totally. that ability to look at someone, to not judge them, to kind of put yourself into their shoes and, and maybe try to imagine as they are imagining this experience. And, and it's interesting that what you're describing there is a, is a large you know, a group of people that are all very empathetic and understanding and uh, inclusive in, in their perspective. And that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. It's my kind of church. <laughs> hey, that's perfect. Uh, I think we find, yeah, we make church wherever we go, when, whenever mm-hmm. we can, however we can. And, and it, it, it's that kind of human, I, I think human connection for me, human connection that kind of uh, inspires us to be better humans. That's church to me. <laughs> I agree. Good stuff. I do. Well, I, in looking through all of your uh, websites and <laughs> the things that you do as a business therapist, which I love that term, and, and realizing that uh, people running businesses, especially in the entrepreneur world, need a little therapy. <laughs> How do I get through this? Where am I going? What does this all mean? And all that. Um, yeah. You said on your site, uh, you, you want to find a vision for your life and get deep into what it means to really love being on earth. And you talk about compassion, kindness, standing up for justice and creating beauty. I love that. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to my values. I don't live for something beyond the now. I believe in living for what is happening here on this earth and leaving the world better than how you found it. That's what I say everywhere and what I try to live whether it's through what I do um, through work or the relationships I have or how I use my money, um, just being conscious of what I am, the legacy I'm leaving. And so I think when I help people with their businesses, I keep that in top of mind and I try to help them shift to that because we can get so caught into um marketing funnels and branding and all these kinds of things. But at the end of the day, if it, if what you're doing doesn't leave things better, why are we doing it? You know? Um, and I find when people really see that they get clear on what matters most and what they need to do the most. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, You also said on your site, uh, you unearth not only the pain, but the potential. Uh, and I, I appreciate that as well in that I realize and have realized through lots of pain over the years and in, in different ways that when I've allowed myself to let that pain lean into it and let it move through me right. rather than stifling it like we're 
you know, we have a tendency to do. But to let it move through me, to like say that's okay, and and to let it, you know, to to sit with it, lean into it, and then try to transmute that energy into something beautiful, into some sort of loving uh, energy. Uh, and I think that is, you know, we don't find who we really are until we are in that moment of that, you know, what's going on? What do I do with this? I'm, I have some fear going on here. I have to deal with this. I don't, you know, this is a kind of tumultuous situation. Uh, and it's then that pain that we kind of find out who we are, but not only who we are, but I think that's sort of where I've found unearthed some of those areas that are more likely to bring me authentic happiness. Uh, so it's the kind of figuring out who I am and what I really want. And, and I found that in those moments of pain, I've often realized that what I thought I wanted wasn't actually what I wanted and what was going to bring me real happiness. Totally. I'm, I mean, part of why I put that there is because the most successful people, so, and I'm not talking financially or whatever, but that happy live people. a f- happy, <laughs> you yeah. know, that live that full life, whatever that looks like to them, a lot of that comes from an awareness. And if you're avoiding the pain, you're missing an opportunity for really understanding yourself and developing yourself so that you can create something good in the world. And the people that do that well have that leaning in. Yeah. When you resist, it's going to pop up in other ways that are not healthy, that can actually like sabotage (laughs) your life. And so when you lean in and you embrace that, you're saying yes to you. You're saying yes to the to actually what will probably be part of your story and how you help others. Mm -hmm. Like hands down, most of the time people tell me, well, I, this is what my business does and I'm, and I love doing it. And it turns out it's really part of their story because they understand it. They come from it. So business therapy, like look at me at one point I landed in the hospital, like seven months pregnant with a migraine that paralyzed me in the middle of a session because I worked so much that I had no balance and I was not paying attention. And from that moment, I'm like, this, this is ridiculous. And something about becoming a mom really kind of forced me to be like, well, you know, you could pull that crap (laughs) without her for so long, but you don't want her repeating this. And she's part of how I'm making the world a better place, you know, how she lives her life and how I parent her. And so I had to make changes and I'm, that's what drives me to help other entrepreneurs make changes. I don't work like that anymore. I don't live that way at all. So really, and I used to, cause I thought I had to, and I had a lot of fear about like, if I'm not doing, then I'm not being, which is, totally off now to what I realize of like, no, I'm being, and out of that, I do what I need to do. And beyond that, it's good. I think pain comes to us as a messenger, you know, and it's letting us know that something is out of alignment. And if we don't listen, it's probably going to rear its ugly head somewhere else. Oh, it does. I mean, you just have to kind of like keep dealing with it. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all, when I see something go off or something that didn't go right or whatever, rather than looking at it as this terrible thing, this monster that we have to get rid of or stifle in some way, I've, I've always taken to just looking at it and saying, what's the universe trying to tell me? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Teach me, teach yeah, me. I'm exactly. here to learn. I want to learn. Yeah. 
I've met few therapists that didn't have an interesting story of some kind that led them into being a therapist. What's yours? <laughs> <laughs> I failed a biology class. Yeah. And I was in college and I was on this pre-med track and I didn't know how to handle it. And I freaked out and I was like, if I, I never failed at school, you know, and I was the kid that got the good grades. And then when I just couldn't swing this bio class, I was like, I can't, I don't know. And it just started to lose interest. And I started thinking about like, what does my life really tell me that I'm good at and what do I enjoy? And it was like, I enjoy people and knowing people and knowing their stories. And so from that, I went into psychology. It really came out of a place of like, like just recognizing what I was good at, I guess. And I love it. And it was funny. Like I had a friend who took a job that I was leaving and I would tell her about, you know, all the coworkers and she's like, how do you know everyone's story? And I knew all of their faith stories and I knew like all these kinds of things. And she's like, you always know people's stories and people just tell me it's just something I'm always curious about the person. I think that often what we're good at is sort of the same thing that we, that makes us light up. It's the thing yes. that, that gets us going. And, uh, I've certainly experienced that when you allow yourself to enter into that, uh, in this case, your profession, you give yourself a path to finding your flow state, to getting into that flow where you just feel like, man, things are rolling. And yeah, I love that. It's a natural gift. Mm-hmm you know? And yeah, you're right. When I am in that flow with people, I am happy and I leave energized and, um, they do as well. Usually, you know, um, it's transformational. I think that's the whole point of being on the earth is connecting with human beings and seeing yourself in the other and, um, vice versa. And, it's just another way of doing that. Absolutely. I, I, I love that you're, you noted there that you gain energy from that. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my family members, uh, parents, wife, whatever, that, that will often look at me like, how did you just work an 18-hour day? Now, I don't do that very often. But when I right. do... Like, Sometimes well, you have to. Yeah. yeah and, and, but part of that is, you know, you get into the groove like halfway through that 18-hour day and then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm on it. I'm in the flow. Uh, and you don't want to stop because it gives you energy. Right. And even yesterday, I'm, I'm building a new website for a new brand. I'm launching and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's w- part of one that I own. So I'm jazzed. <laughs> I'm excited. And I got done with that website. And I worked till like 11 o'clock at night. I never do that. I close up at 5 and I'm hanging out with family. And right. we do family stuff. We hang out and, you know, hang out in the teepee and whatever. Um, but last night, I, you know, I went through this because I needed to, to get this done. But I was just feeling it. And I got finished at almost midnight and I was like, all right, all right. (laughs) Like I couldn't go to sleep. (laughs) I came in and like was wanted to talk to my wife, but she was already asleep. (laughs) But I I got all this energy from that. I was like, normally I'd be just trashed by now, just so tired from, you know, being a daddy and and all that. But yeah, I, I, I think that when we find, when we tap into something that is, in line with our innate purpose, like the, and I don't mean purpose, like your predestined job or vocation or something like that, but just like in your case, 
you like working with people. You like seeing people light up. You like seeing people get through something that was difficult and seeing what's on the other side and, and kind of unearthing that potential, as you said. And I love that. I obviously can relate in, in my line of work as well. Mm-hmm. So what in, in all of this now that you're, I mean, and I ask this question, I guess, personally and vocationally, and I understand okay. that you're the type that doesn't draw pro- probably any lines between <laughs> the two, like myself. <laughs> um, what would you consider to be kind of one of your uh, biggest inspirations or influences for who you are? And, and certainly what you do, which is a reflection of that. And that could be a person experience, profound moment, whatever. Mm. Yeah, this one's so hard to distill down into. Or a series of things, <laughs> which, is, which is totally <laughs> yeah, fine. As I well. know, right? There's all these moments. <laughs> what inspires I think, you? <laughs> I think the biggest thing, and I, I stick with me for a second. I think for my experience growing up, I grew up in a fundamentalistic Christian environment and wanted to work in a church and being young and being a female, um, sharing that with my pastors and things that was not supported. And I look at kind of a pattern I have where I'm in communities or I'm in a structure or system and I don't fit necessarily quite well. And then it kind of pushes me into kind of this out of the box way of doing things. And I find like that has been the biggest thing from that get go being told no and knowing like, no, I have a gift and and then being told, no, you can't do that. Oh, and so it just has guided me what could have been like, oh, shut that down. It's not allowed. Actually allowed me to be special and unique in my own way and kind of rebellious. Um, but it's let me help people that probably I otherwise wouldn't have if I had just listened to what whatever the system said no to. So to all those people that had said no, they've been my biggest influencers, I guess, in a way, um, to really create me and to allow me to find out, like, I don't need to be another cog in the wheel or support a system that doesn't really honor who I am. And so I've created my own. That's beautiful. And I, I love that you're pointing out there that it is the contrast that has kind of driven you towards being who you are and, and in sort of allowing that to flow out of you. And the <laughs> so often I think people try to get those types of people out of their life or those people are wrong or those people did me wrong or those people, whatever, negative thought, as opposed to looking at it like what you're looking at it and saying these people have played a pretty vital role in in driving me towards my highest self and who, who I am and where yeah. I flow. That's great. Yeah. And because of that story, I think it allows me to help other people who mm. uh, have been there and don't feel like they fit the mold, you know, or they, it's funny, like, I don't know if you experience this, but when you really ask people, what do you really want? Like, and there's like, oh, this is what I want, but this is what I think I can have. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always like, why can't, we, why can't we move <laughs> yeah. over to like the stuff that seems like, oh no, you can't do that. That's not what people do. Um, 
I don't know. I feel more open to those things now because of those past experiences and I'm grateful for it. Yes. I mean, that it's an, you know, people have an upper limit kind of challenge and an issue. There's been some interesting uh, books and things written on that lately, but there's a, this tendency to say, yes, this is what I want ideally, or if they even allow themselves to go that far. Most times right. I just get, well, this is what I think I can do. I'm like, wow, that, <laughs> we have set the bar pretty low here, buddy. <laughs> we <laughs> shoot a little higher. Um, and, and what typically happens is people answer with their goals, which is based in what they think they can do rather than their desires and aspirations. Goals are a little bit more uh, practical, I guess. Right. Uh, you, you said something there that piqued my interest as well about your role in that um in that situation and I'm going to jump over into parenthood for a second okay um <laughs> I know stick with me <laughs> okay uh, that's fine there's you, you talked because I look at my role as a as a brand developer your role in what you're doing in, in working with uh entrepreneurs let's just say they are you're playing a role of helping them to expand their perspective, helping them to understand more of what might be possible. You're letting them experience this pain and, and, and whatever and going through something and then saying, okay, I'm, I want to unearth the potential that's coming from, that I'm seeing from that and so on. And I think that as a parent, like with, we both have a kid in kindergarten, right? How old's your, is boy or girl? She's five. She's no, five. Claire, she's five. Oh yeah, Claire, five. Uh, yeah, I have Sersha, five, uh, five in, a, okay. in about two months. And I think about her and, and my role in her life. I view my role, first of all, as chief influencer more than anything else, because they're just going to watch what we do and act that way, too, <laughs> typically. Mm -hmm. um, but also in that I want so desperately to create an environment, to foster an environment around her that doesn't say, no, you can't, or that's not possible, or that's not practical, or you shouldn't be dreaming all day. I'd rather raise her like Peter Pan, you know, and, and to believe that anything is possible and to, to follow our dreams and to believe in the dragon that we're looking at in the yard and, and things like that, um, to foster that imagination. And that, that one of the new companies I'm building right now has a lot to do with talking about imagination. Mm. But I, I see that as a thread, even in everything that I've read of you on your websites and all that and some of our conversation of uh, being a believer in the importance of fostering an environment. Uh, and even if that environment is just you sitting together with someone on a Skype call, <laughs> uh, but that says, you can dream here. That's important. Yeah. Dream. It's a big part of my parenting. Um, I'm very much about, you know, allowing for choice with what is in reason developmentally for her, but also saying like, why not? Why can't you can like, she's like, I want to do, I want to make a movie. All right, let's get out a camera. Like, yes, <laughs> why not? Um, you know, she will come home from school at like last week. Um, <laughs> she said, she told a friend that boys can wear, and I don't know why boys can wear nail polish and her friends like, no, they can't. And I said, well, what'd you think about that? And she's like, well, I think they can. I'm like, well then yeah, like, 
you know, like trying to break down some of these narratives in our culture about what she can and can't do and what they can and can't do, all that kind of stuff. We always have those kind of conversations, which is fun, you know, as she's getting older to be able to talk more about them. But, you know, wear what you want to wear, sing what you want to sing, you know, so um, play how you want to play. Like, I think that's really important. Yeah, I mean, you think about our, you know, as a person that is interested in self-actualization, you know, enlightenment, the red road journey, as we talk about in the Lakota traditions, uh, but taking that path that says, I want to tap into my higher self to reach some of my full potential. Um, we spend, I've spent so much of my time, not so much the things that I'm learning that have played such a role, but it, it's the things that I've had, I've realized that I need to unlearn, deprogram myself from this is right, this is wrong, black and white, you know, good or bad. And, th- and my wife and I talk about that a lot because we catch each other. Like, hey, <laughs> we're saying that because we've always said that. <laughs> if we really think about this, we don't actually believe that. We're just saying because it's habit. But that's kind of the environment for our children, uh, Sersha especially because she's of that age. You know, she's, she's almost five years old. The other ones are 19 months of twins, mm. by the way. Um, and uh, but but with Sersha, I'm so cognizant of that and, and so deliberate about creating that or, or fostering that kind of environment around her that just says, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can dream it, we'll talk about it. Nothing's things aren't out of bounds, I guess. And I think that's important, whether or not you're talking with your child or whoever happens to be sitting in front of you at the therapy table. There. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Claire definitely teaches me. Sometimes she'll be like, well, why not? Good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? You know, why did I get this idea that we can't do that? Or, um, yeah. And I'm like, you're right. So- sometimes she's totally spot on. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Sorry. I wasn't paying attention. And we teach each other. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people my kids teach me, I think, probably just as much or more than I'm trying to teach them. But uh, right. I have an older son that's 22. And, and, um, I adopted him and in Rwanda, it's a long story, but in that, at that moment, or I shouldn't say at that moment, actually, it was about six months after that when I realized, oh my God, he's watching everything that I do. <laughs> but, and it, and it goes to what you were talking about earlier. It kind of draws you or, or it positions you to, if you're, if you believe in leading by example and, and leading by inspiration and influence rather than being a dictator or whatever then it, it says you have to be all the things that you think the world should be, <laughs> that, that a human should be. And you have to, you have to do that in a way that's loud enough to kind of get their attention and influence them in that direction. Because you can say, you know, be kind and loving, but if you don't respond in a kind and loving way in a heated moment, you, you've just put that out the window. It's not going to work. Yeah. And when you mess up, I think the biggest thing I say about parenting is being able to say you're sorry, mm-hmm. like owning it. There's nothing that's harder for a child than for their the dissonance between their experience and being told what happened. And mm-hmm. I, you know, if you aren't, if you mess up, you will. Um, I do all the time. And you don't say, yeah, you know, that wasn't what I said was not kind. Um, or my tone was too harsh mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. You know, we have to validate their experience too. And, um, learning to do that. Cause we, 
I mean, I have these ideals and these values that I don't always live up to and, I'm, and leaning like that whole leaning into it mm-hmm. and on and acknowledging, I think is also important. Um, and it, that's a big lesson for our children to see because part of, um, I think my purpose in raising her is to be responsible and for her life, like to own it own her choices, own her actions, own her values, own her beliefs. And I have to do that for myself too, even in the stuff that I don't, the shadows, the -hmm. stuff that is still, I'm still working to shed light on. Yeah. I've talked about this a lot in the, just in conversation with friends and family and that the, there's, I think there's this misperception that if you are on this, and again, I'm kind of using this flippantly, but on this road to enlightenment, or you're interested in this self-actualization journey, you know, you'd make an argument of just saying, well, I, I, I want to go be a monk somewhere in a monastery and, and kind of go that route. And I feel like, you know, there, there's a time and place for that for a moment. Sure. And, and, and this is my opinion. But I also feel like that's kind of, in, in many ways, how on earth could I expect to kind of um, self-actualize if I'm in a situation that has so little contrast <laughs> to, to push me. I don't know if I'm that good. <laughs> like I need some contrast to push me in a direction. Uh, like yeah. what you talked about with the contrast that kind of said, okay, well, this is who I want to be and this is what I want to do. Uh, and it kind of solidified that rather than, um, uh, stifling you, I guess. Right. And yeah. I, I, yeah. So I, I just, I, I think that having children, all that said has led me uh, it's like sped up my self-actualization process. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, I got lots of opportunity every day <laughs> to rise above here and be the change I want to see in the world. Yeah. I'm so lucky I have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, I'm grateful for it. Even on days where I'm like, when is bedtime? Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's those moments, but I'm a better person because of her. Absolutely. I, I, yeah, there's rarely a day that goes by. I don't think about that with, especially, you know, with my older kids that are influencing me so much more and, and even certainly with the little guys that, you know, the twins that are waking me up four times in a night (laughs) and I'm going, okay, serenity now. serenity. (laughs) Uh, So it's a, it's a good patience builder. I want to talk a little bit about uh, consciousness. We talk, I mean, this show is about, you know, consciousness and how it a- applies to our lives. And, and all we all kind of have these different views of that. I, and I think we all kind of g- generally understand that consciousness is being fully alive. It's waking up to who we were created to be and so on. We all have different views about what that waking up, what are we waking up to? Uh, what are we realizing and embracing? What does that look like to you in your life? That looks like love and connection for me. Um, even down to the barista at the coffee shop, when I order, I look them in the eye and I just acknowledge that they're a person who woke up that morning, maybe with a rough day, <laughs> rough day ahead. They're at work providing something for me and they have a parent, they might have a child. I don't know, just seeing the humanity in them that builds that empathy, um, that, 
and connection. So that's when I'm awake is when I notice other the others uh, in my life. Um, I do this meditation for our business school boot camp. I do like meditations for each module. And I know people laugh, but where, you know, you sit down, you're eating your food, but it's like recognizing all the hands that have touched that food mm. from the farmer, the person that's picked it to the person that processed it to the person that packaged it to the person that drove the truck to drive it to the store. Like all, like all of the people who have made that meal possible, that's you know, beautiful. like just being aware of like, you can't create alone. You can't live alone. Infants will die if they are not touched. We are meant to be in community. And I feel like I'm getting chills just talking about it. Like connecting is that to me is an awakening. That's mm-hmm. when you're living life. We talk about interconnectedness all the time. And what you're doing there in making eye contact, which I'm very big on, by the way, because it, it, it does create sort of this metaphysical connection between two humans. And that's beautiful. And I, I mean, I live for that. And I, I, yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting scenario that has to do with our own, it, it taps into our own vulnerabilities as well. Exactly. I mean, totally. You're like, oh my God, I'm looking somebody in the eye. I'm looking somebody and in the I'm eye. And I'm being seen. I <laughs> yeah. might be seen. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it I love, I love that. But it, I think that the, I've been saying this lately about interconnectedness and like trying to find a, you know, we're always trying to find ways to articulate something that really gets the point home in a very concise and maybe poetic way. Um, and I'm, I've struggled with it in, in the interconnectedness realm because it's not like we're, it's not like we can do anything to have more interconnectedness. We're all interconnected, whether or not we recognize it or not. But what I've said lately is that I, I really want to, uh, and again, back to how we're raising our kids, I want to inspire them to have this reverence and awareness maybe in the opposite order, awareness and reverence of our interconnectedness. And I think that things that are likely to happen as a result of that perspective is a life like what you're living, where you want to make human connection. You want to have eye contact. You want to connect with uh, humanity, uh, the humanity within each human and the uh, and recognizing, yeah, that we're all... You know, as as Sagan says, we're all star stuff. You know, we're all made out of that same stardust. Right. <clears throat> I talk to my daughter a lot about that, and uh, we we have a lot of quote quotes from Sagan around the house. Anyway, but um, that's cool. But she, you know, she really loves that uh, perspective, and you know, we're raising her with this mostly the the Lakota kind of way of living and this beautiful kind of sacredness of life and looking at everything has spirit in it every everyone and we are all interconnected and it's this beautiful kind of perspective of the world that i think and i hope i guess uh fosters a reverence for our interconnectedness in her Mm. mind and perspective that's beautiful what are some of your practices that help you to stay in alignment or to to, you know to realign when you need to um prayer Mm -hmm. Um, and that can look like, um, like holding a person in mind and wishing them love and wishing them healing or whatever that is. I have a practice of, um, 
it's like, I don't know what to call it. Prayer doodling where I take like, um, markers and as I'm praying, I'm just drawing and sometimes something comes out of it. Sometimes it's just a mess of lines, but it kind of allows me to free flow mentally. Actually singing is very grounding for me. It's a holy kind of thing. And so I do that a lot with my daughter in the car, outside, we sing in conversation. <laughs> like it kind of looks like a musical in our house sometimes, but <laughs> there's something about like it's spiritual for me. Um, and it, it's like the vibration grounds me. I don't know. Um, and we do, uh, talk a lot about gratitude and, um, who God is in our family. So that just comes from, um, helping other people and being kind. So some of those practices, um, you know, we serve our community in different ways. Um, and the nature part, I, really for me being outside and when I'm skating, I know it doesn't seem that natural to be on skates, but <laughs> I am, our rink is outdoors. So I get, there's something about wind in my hair and, and face and just going around and around. It's just very grounding for me. Um, and I, I don't know. I just find beauty in all of it. It's if you really like are to consider like my mind explodes just to think about just what it takes to breathe or how that plant grew, <laughs> you know, it's, it's to be in awe. Uh, and I really try to do that. And sometimes I get out of that practice of awe and, um, I have to slow things down, cut out the technology, go outside and just look, pay attention. Again, something about looking mm-hmm. is important. I think it's, a, it's honestly, it's, it sounds like an easy question, but it's hard for me because coming from my past, which was based on this is how, this is what is uh, a practice of spirituality and this is what it looks like in certain dogma and culture and to have left some of that, you kind of feel like, how am I doing that now? So we're kind of still sorting through that as a family. Um, cause we, we were taught like, this is how you raise your children mm-hmm. with those kinds of disciplines. And now again, being pushed into, okay, now I get to create what that looks like for us. And so we're still trying on different things and exploring. I, I, I can't just bypass this one. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to dive in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so how, because it's interesting to me, well, first of all, you it sounds like you and I have come from some similar backgrounds in that I, I was raised in Nashville, Tennessee in a very conservative Christian. You know, we're in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Right. <laughs> um, so I'm coming from that tradition, and, and maybe more importantly, I'm coming from that perspective, you know, how we yeah. view the world, how we view God, how we view right. people and everything. Um, how, and now that you are an adult and you have children, of you're a mom, <laughs> um, yeah. how... How do you describe that 
in in I, I can tell that you are a person that does have a great profound reverence for our interconnectedness for the beauty and sacredness of life and in, in that you're very aware and you're tuned into the humanity and also into the just this uh, profound beauty uh, that we see in nature like yeah uh, yeah so i I'm interested in then how how do you translate that into the discussion about God and what God is, who God is to to your well, obviously my, in your own child. life, but also to your child. And I think oh, that it's man. an interesting path. And we talk about how we say it to our children and how that uh, translates into how we view God ourselves. Dude, she's five, mm-hmm. and like making that relevant for a five year old. It's like how do I say? Because I I do try to be aware that she's five. She's not some 30 year old that can like, I got to use her language, but, and I'm sure some of it goes over her head, but I'm like, you know, when you, I (laughs) sit there one day and this is just all random. Like when you hug someone, that's God. Mm. When you help somebody who has fallen down, that's God. When you see the wind blow through the trees, that's God. When the sun shines on your face, that's God. Like, God is everywhere. God is love. And where there is love, that's God, you know, like that's it. Um, and then, <laughs> so we always had to pass the cemetery on the way to preschool, which brought up a ton of interesting oh, yeah. questions about like, what happens when you die? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And yeah. I don't know. And, and I would tell her like, this is heaven. Like, here to have love in your heart, that's to be in heaven. Like look around you, there is heaven here. Um, and just trying to help focus on the now. And when I don't know, I say, I don't know. And then I ask her, well, what do you think? And it's funny. She's been referring to God in the feminine Hmm. and I just go with it. I'm like, who knows? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I obviously believe it. You know, God. God's kind of beyond gender, not necessarily being. Yes. But, but if we were to look at a specific energy, I'd definitely go with divine feminine. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. So I don't really try to correct or anything. I just ask more questions and I tell her where I'm at and what I'm thinking, and I, that's just it. Mm-hmm. That when we are being kind and when we exemplify love that is being god and that is that's the point mm-hmm. and beyond yeah. that you know so it's just you know my mom was asking me because my parents also kind of went through a transformation kind of like a deconstruction like i did and she's like how are you doing this like i had it so easy i would just take you to sunday school and they would take care of it and like i knew that if you went to church that this would you know this was a good thing for you mm-hmm. you know and it, it was a good thing for me in some ways and um but it's not like a guaranteed <laughs> Like your kid's going to turn out a certain way. And she's like, but it gave you a framework and to not have that framework has been kind of interesting. And, um, yeah. It forces you to be pretty deliberate with how you approach the situation Yeah, (laughs) Uh, and that there is no framework. It's, it makes you think a little bit more. We, we, with Sersha, especially, uh, well, and Francois too, my oldest, we, we've always just, talked about love and God sort of synonymously. Yeah. And, and th- it is this force of love, this 
And and I appreciate again we we teach a lot so much from the Lakota principles and their way of life, which I think is very congruent with the example that Jesus left us in in his life. If we were to look at a culture that has emulated that very much and and it embraced that kind of lifestyle, I certainly I've studied a lot, but uh, I, I always come back to Lakota. Uh, and there is this reverence for our interconnectedness. You know, they're animist or, or in psychology, or psychology terms or philosophy terms, it would be more like panpsychist, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and, and they're seeing, you know, uh, God, spirit, whatever, in everything. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I love that. And we, you know, we talk with, with our kids about if you, that, that God is not a being or a person. You know, daddy's got a, a boy or a girl. I've, I've gotten that one a few times from Sersha. Um, and, and I was saying God is an experience. God is mm-hmm. a feeling. God is a happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, 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 God is not necessarily a person. Incidentally, we don't use the word God even. Now, she understands that God is kind of synonymous with what I'm about to say, but we use the Lakota term, which is Wakantanka. And mm-hmm. it essentially, it doesn't translate directly, but what it means is that we acknowledge this force that we believe is ineffable mm-hmm. and, and and we dare not uh you know put this force in a box that says it is a person it is an object it is a thing is whatever but it is a force beyond what we could ever even fathom and, and, and certainly beyond what we could articulate and we have this great reverence for that i mean and it translates directly to the great mystery um, mm. but it, it i love that. mystery I do. I do too. And it's just like, <laughs> we talked a lot about, you know, leaving room for mystery, even when we travel and like, we kind of set a trajectory, but then we don't plan everything to the T because well, inevitably it doesn't happen. And then you're disappointed <laughs> anyway. But, yeah. yeah. But, but I'm also like, like I want to leave room for the things that we hadn't thought of, like that we, I, I can leave it up to my own imagination or I can leave it up to some cosmic, you know, ineffable kind of experience that I wouldn't have ever thought of. Um, and I, and I like the, the mystery of things like that. So anyway, with, with, um, I'm always interested in, you know, how do, how, do, how do people describe their, you know, describe God and that force, whatever that, whatever that right. is to their children, because I think it tells a story about who they are and it certainly yours is consistent. <laughs> I mean, Claire still hears about Jesus. And so we do talk about Christ as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also interesting too. And, um, because I do still resonate with the, uh, the person of Christ and the messaging behind it, not from maybe my early traditional upbringing, but how I understand that now I went to seminary, um, to get my marriage family therapy degree. So that's kind of exposed me to a lot of other perspectives on Christ. And so we even talk about, we still have like kind of those Christian vibing (laughs) conversations, but how, how to see Christ in a new way, um, how to be, Christ-like, kind of. Um, so still struggling with language around it, and I'm okay with that. Like, And letting her create some of the language, too. Um, one of the books that like really transformed me was that New Kind of Christian by Brian McLaren. 
I know. I've that's kind of, yeah. So that's kind of what set me on a different trajectory. So a lot of the languaging that I was brought up with now no longer makes sense. No longer is even part of the conversation. So like, um, you know, so, but she hears it from other places. And so we end up having those conversations about what others think and what do you think? Um, and letting there be room for, we all, um, frame it in our own way. We all put the edges on it in different ways, but, um, we're all just trying so that we can touch whatever it is and make some sort of sense because really like truly it is not, you can't fathom. Mm -hmm. I don't think fully. So we're just trying to make it a little bit more tangible and that's how they do it. What does that look like for us? Absolutely. Well, I think, I think your commitment and your perspective that translates into your commitment to not having to button it all up. Yeah. That in and of itself and saying, I don't know, I don't have all the answers. I don't know how that got there. <laughs> like, I don't know how that happened or why that happened, but I understand that there's purpose in it. And I understand that maybe it's not for mm-hmm. me to even understand at this point. Right. But, just, but what you're doing is you're having conversations with Claire that, that says, it's okay to not have to button it all up. It's okay to not have to have all the answers. We're taught even in our traditional education system that we have to like, this is right. This is wrong. This is how it is. It's not that way. It's this way and so on and so on. And, you know, again, we don't, I think it's so much more important to us. And I would include you, you, you in the us discussion, you know, to, to say, you know, there leave room for mystery to embrace that, to find something beautiful and peaceful in knowing that you don't have to know all the answers. That's right. telling your child a, a beautiful story. And I think that's applied to me as a therapist and now as a business coach, because there is a science to psychology. This is not just all, uh, But it's this beautiful blend of art and science. And I do think it is a sacred kind of work. And with anything sacred is mystery. Like there are some things like, sure, we can say, oh, the prefrontal cortex was activated. Oh, they learned this new coping skill, la, 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 la. But actually, I think the relationship is what is most transformative. And that cannot always be measured or, you know, we try, we want to so bad, but there is mystery there. And when you honor that in the therapeutic work, you find more transformation as well as like when I'm doing business coaching, same thing to be able to say, I don't know, to be able to say like, what are some other possibilities to to look and say like, this was, look at that synchronicity. Like why now? Who knows? But that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that goes a long way versus I know a lot of us in this business coaching realm, we like the formulas and the funnels and uh, the processes. And I, I like some of that organization, but not without that mystery. Like we need that. Yeah. The first thing that I talk to my clients about when we're starting a brand development process, you know, getting into the brand profile and, you know, there's some of the traditional things in there, like, you know, vision and your, your demographics and things like that. However, I handle it a little bit differently than the, the, the norm, I guess. And my approach to that is that the first part of the discussion is, look, I want you to shake off all the things that you think this is going to be about, or that you think that I'm asking. 
and when I ask you about what is it, you know, what do you want to do here and what, what, what is your desired impact and, and so on, please don't list all your goals. I want to know that the feelings and the emotions behind this, the part of this thing that you're doing in your business that taps into who you were created to be and yeah. how that lets you thrive and, and so on. And I think, and again, I always say, just be very, very idealistic and pretend that you're Peter Pan for the day. And mm-hmm. let's just jump into this with that kind of light feeling of anything is possible. That's where we start. That's more fun. (laughs) Yes. Well, and and you have to, we all come into, especially a business situation with kind of like, okay, these are the answers I'm supposed to give and I'm supposed to do this and this, this person's Mm going to want to know these things. And they're kind of having this pass fail mentality (laughs) enter into Mm -hmm. their mind, like a classroom situation. So we have to kind of uh, shake the tree a little bit to to rattle that out of people, which, yeah, it's part of our social programming, I think, anywhere in the world and certainly in America. So in, in, in light of all of that discussion and, and who you are and being a very deliberate person in how you're <laughs> living and, and also being aware of just kind of the influence that you have around people and, and certainly your children, but also the people that you work with and all the way down to the, the roller derby. What is your desired impact? You know, we all influence people as we go through our day. Um, what is it that you hope people experience from you and, uh, and how they, and understanding that they may be influenced by you? What do you hope that looks like? I hope it looks really like the form of compassion. I think people are really hard on themselves and we could use a lot more of compassion in the world. And with compassion is that empathy and acceptance. Um, but I want people to be more, yeah, just more compassionate. Like the other day someone was upset about something and I knew both sides of the story, but I wasn't able to divulge, you know, like friends were talking and I'm just like, you know, like we're all just doing the best we can, like have some compassion with each other and you might go a lot further in your relationship and an understanding because we carry a lot of unneeded pain um, mm. because we lack that compassion, whether that's compassion for ourselves or the other. And so, um, ex- you know, teaching people to accept and embrace who they are and um, what they love to do and what they really, the kind of life they want to live, that's really important to me. Beautiful. Uh, liberating yeah. people, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I will take that word and remember that one. Excellent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? It, what's a like? I have a lot of things in my life that inspire me. Certain mediums or whatever. What's a medium that kind of inspires you? Like book, film, podcast, lecture, whatever. What's something? What do you? Uh, what do you get most moved by? <laughs> I listen to This American Life a lot. Oh, cool. That should not be a surprise because I like stories. Yeah. There's something about like just hearing perspectives and other stories and um, I don't know. It does move me. 
I do a lot of following in the minimalism movement. <laughs> if you want to call it a movement, I don't know. I, I do um, too. So I, yes, I'd call it a movement. <laughs> yeah. Um, now anyway. Yeah. Now. Um, but there's something about simplicity that's that. So I kind of eat that stuff up a yeah. lot, whether it be through Instagram or books or that documentary, you know, the minimalism documentary that just came out. Um, I've been following those guys for like six years or yeah. longer than that. And, and I, I actually haven't watched the film yet, but I'm eager to watch it. I think you'll watch it and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was still a nice reminder, especially if you already knew them. Yeah. which I did as well, or like the true cost, the one like about, um, living. Um, so I eat that up. Anything Rob Bell, I'm all over it. Oh, yeah. Um, favorite <laughs> um, podcast, Rob Bell and Chris yes. Tippett. Uh, those are my two, uh, on, yeah. on being and Rob Bell there. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Mine is, um, the Rob cast and yeah. this American life. Those are the two that I always listen to. So, um, Yeah. That's kind of what inspires me lately. Um, and I'm really working on minimalism and what that looks like uh, in our family um, and how we're choosing to live our life. We're going through like a whole new what do we do now kind of thing and phase. Um, so that's kind of fun. Um, my husband is going to be laid off in a year. He got a year notice. And so we're looking at all of our options and where we want to go and if we want to stay and mm. how we want work to look like. And I, I, I just find like what I tell my clients and what I try to live is we have this vision and this idea of what we want. And I say have it, but hold it loosely because you're always going to be refining and changing. Like five years ago, what I thought was what I wanted, you know, has changed again and that's okay. So, and especially now that I'm, I'm focusing more on minimalism and simplicity. Um, yeah, I'm really liking that path. I think minimalism to me, we talk about it being this modern thing now, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's <laughs> right. a movement thing. That, uh, but I think I, know, I felt silly calling it a movement. I'm like, this is kind of, but I don't know how well, else to reference it right now. Well, but now it is, you know, and it, as where before it was just kind of like a living, a harmonious lifestyle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, kind of a, a path to happiness for uh, most people back in the day, I guess. But um, it's interesting but it, actually, interestingly, it's also kind of congruent with that same kind of uh, dynamic I was talking about before when it's not so much the stuff that we need to learn and what and, and consume as it is the things we need to unlearn and deprogram, declutter our lives. And um, I I was just on a podcast, the, the Art of Authenticity, and she talks a lot about our emotional obesity and how we have all this emotional baggage and we have to kind of shed that away and, and, and so on. And I... Um, yeah, there's, there's so many different aspects of life where we're trying to get rid of the stuff, you know, to live a minimalistic lifestyle. You know, for us being so transient, it's been pretty easy to be minimalist. We don't clutter up much. Um, you know, when you move every six months or so, it's it doesn't happen as much. But, you know, now we've been in a place for a year and it, it's been more of a challenge that we've noticed, not a challenge in that we have a problem going out and buying lots of stuff, but it's just like we notice the temptation. <laughs> yeah, know? totally. What would you say is is the one of the bigger uh, kind of day-to-day -day challenges of minimalism in your life? That's a good question. 
we have these things that come up every day, you know, kind of daily. And you're like, oh, man, that's not in line with who I said I was going to be. <laughs> you know, so you have to kind of you have to sort of readjust or how you frame it, especially if you're trying to be a good influence on your child. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's always. Oh, man, that's the challenge. Right. Like, yeah. I thought my kid is not going to be the one that like wants all the stuff. No, she wants all the stuff. Like she's like, can I have I want this. I want to buy this. I, and so like having those conversations about things and toys and yeah. <laughs> like she is probably my biggest challenge because part of me is like, yes, I will give you everything. And then it's like, that's not helping. Um, and really trying to teach her about consumerism and being conscious mm -hmm. about all those things or, you know, like even down to like food, like how we prepare our food and thinking about, you know, where the food comes from and all of those. So really in parenting and minimalism, it's been kind of interesting. And I've been trying to like get perspectives and read what other families do and how they handle that, because there is sort of this thing of like, this is what I want. This is my value. And also honoring like she is a little different personality. So what is that going to look like for her as I teach her those values? So I'd say that's my daily struggle is parenting with it. <laughs> Being a minimalist parent. Yes. Right. I don't, I'm sure yeah. someone's written some great books on that. If you know of any, because we're navigating <laughs> that space now too. She's at least willing to let go of some things. So yeah. that's good. <laughs> And, and two, like, because we are considering being more nomadic mm. and thinking about like her personality and what is the best fit for us as a family and, uh, what does that all look like? You know, just kind of sorting through acknowledging each person and their needs and how to get those met within the context of the lifestyle we want. So we're all kind of, we're just kind of sorting through all of that right now. Yeah, I mean, I think minimalism in, in in general, I hadn't really thought about this until we were just talking about it, but it sort of forces you to be very deliberate about what you value, you know, your priorities in life. It comes yeah. down to, like, do you really value this thing? And, right. you know, are, is it in line? If it's valuing that thing in line with your priorities, you know, you're all, you're going to eventually work your way back to perspective. <laughs> like, how do I view the world? Uh, but it's an interesting thing. I, I think being a minimalist, 2000 years ago may not have been such a challenge, obviously, but being, totally. being a minimalist now, we really, it really does put us in a position where we say, well, okay, well I have to analyze, like, what do I actually care about? Right. And I do this mentally as well. Maybe that's the other challenge of minimalism. It's very easy when it's like something, you know, you can hold in your hand or mm -hmm. touch, but I'm also thinking about like, what am I taking in? Because yes. everyone's like, yeah. oh, read this book. Listen to this podcast. This look at this social media feed, and then sometimes I'm like, "What are you doing, Kelly? Like, mm -hmm. why? Why are you taking in this information? Like, what is most important? Where? Where do you? Where's the meat? Yeah. You know? And beyond that, we don't. I don't need to take that all in because I could just be online all day. <laughs> like, yeah. there's so much to consume, reading, listening. So, I'd say that's the other challenge too. Yeah, I agree. I, I did a podcast on that not too long ago, just about having like being very deliberate about what I take in. I did a, a three month, was it three months? Yeah, three months uh, Facebook fast 
during during the election, which was a great time to do that. Um, and I, I've never really gone back now. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I weaned myself. That wasn't really the goal. It's just like, I thought like, I'm spending too much mental, emotional effort on Facebook. How crazy is that? How incongruent is that with my perspective on life? And so I just right. stopped. <clears throat> and now it's, you know, it, it, I'm yeah, I maybe check it once a week or wh- or whatever, but just kind of getting away from that has been so freeing. And then lots of other social media and things like that and other information. And at this point, I'm very, very kind of narrow in the, the things that I study and, and allow into my mind and, you know, and the not picking up the phone first thing in the morning and the not having the phone at the table and not, you know, all the no tech Sundays and all that kind of stuff that we've instituted in the family. And man, it's just been amazing. And it's like, uh, all, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I didn't all of a sudden become uninformed about the world or anything like that in the process. <laughs> it's like, I don't think I really missed anything other than a bunch of drama that I just as soon cut out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I've, I've really appreciated talking to you. Uh, I think yeah. we have some other conversations offline here, but, um, we're certainly very aligned before we depart here. Uh, tell me one little piece of advice, kind of all these things, maybe we can encapsulate it kind of into something here, but what would you, what's one piece of advice you'd like to leave with our, with our crew here? The more connection you have in your life, the mo- more vulnerability is going to make you a better person. And isn't that the point? I mean, don't we all want to, to grow and you are someone worth knowing and worth sharing your story and your being with some other people on this planet. And the more you do that, um, the more your world's going to open up. So I just want people to, to consider opening a little bit more. And I think we don't do that because we have our fears and our fears of being vulnerable, but vulnerability pays off when it's, it, it, it has a good payoff. And I just want to encourage people to do that more, whether it's in your work or in your relationship or in your day-to-day activities and your to-do lists, um, ask, how can I connect more here? Beautiful. Well, I've experienced you as a very authentic person and certainly Thanks. certainly a person that uh, exhibits a true reverence for our interconnectedness and the Thank humanity you. of life. And I, I appreciate this exchange between the two of us. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for holding this space for love and freedom on uh, NEP Radio today. And folks, if you appreciate the NEP ethos and you want to help us grow this thing and, and spread this desire to align with love i hope you'll check out the podcast share it and uh also rate and review us on itunes it helps Uh, until then i wish you peace on your journey may you align with love and let your life speak